Vim, I think it's a small piece of a big puzzle that we are trying. Absolutely. We represent roughly 200 members in the institutional, commercial, and industrial sector. Where do you find your place as an organization to educate them, to help them, and you know, get something positive out of this whole? I'm not going to beat around the bush here. The cost curve is not in your favor when you're adopting this. Welcome to the BIM Student Podcast. In this podcast, we talk to leaders, followers, innovators, and adopters from our AEC industry. Like a student, I ask questions that we all wanted to ask on our digital transformation journey, but never actually did. I explore concept, products, ideas, and future possibilities in digital transformation space. Each week, I meet with an amazing guest from the industry. I look forward to learn something new, share new experiences, thoughts, and opinions, and how to make BIM journey better for everybody across the board. In today's episode, I will be talking to Eric Schmidt. Eric is a manager for public affairs and innovation at Ontario General Contractors Association. Ontario General Contractors Association, or OGCA, was founded in 1939. Ever since its inception, it has been the leading voice of its members in the industry to build better Ontario. In my today's conversation with Eric, we will get into details about how OGCA is helping and supporting its members, especially small and medium-sized contractors, to get on board with technology and BIM adoption. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. I'm so glad you're here and we want to talk about OGCA and we want to talk about a lot of other things. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Happy to join you. Okay. So first of all, even before we dive into all the complicated stuff, do you quickly <laughs> introduce yourself? Who is Eric? What is OGCA? What are you doing here? <laughs> so my name is Eric Schmidt. I'm the manager of innovation and public affairs at the Ontario General Contractors Association. We represent roughly 200 members in the institutional, commercial, and industrial sector. And we have over 82 years being the proactive voice for all general contracting issues across the province. Uh, so we represent members large, medium-sized, and small. And we also represent both the union and open shop contracts. So together, we roughly account for 70% of the ICI projects that happen, as well as the majority of the alternative finance project. And so our members just build everything besides your homes and bridges and roads. Uh, but we always like to phrase it like our members build everything besides where you sleep and how you get to Oh, okay, great. So and what does Eric do at OGCM? So when you work for an industry association, what you do is very broad. I help run the innovation committee with mm -hmm. Jim Blair of Collaborative Structures. Mm -hmm. uh, in that, we're all about providing information to our members about innovative technology that's happening in the construction space. But I also do public affairs. So that means talking to government, communicating to them about issues that we are facing in the industry and about how we can make the industry better. Uh, my association prides itself on our safety. And so we like to go to government and provide them with best practices and information as to how we can improve the sector. and ultimately make Ontario the safest and best place to build in Canada. Okay. So we talked about innovation and we talked about how you are helping these contractors, these your members, not just the contractors, your members be a better part of a more safe Ontario. How exactly do you help them? Do you have some guidelines? How is it that you're helping? So we fundamentally believe that everybody has a place in the Ontario construction. Um, our smaller members specialize in a variety of different things, and that's what makes them great. So we have certain members that specialize in a type of construction 
constructions of schools, food manufacturing, EMS stations, or their local employers. So they operate in a particular region, whether it be the north or eastern Ontario. And that's what makes the Ontario construction market special. The real foundation of our association is about advocacy. Um, and with a large population of smaller members, this involves things like fair contract conditions and tendering. It involves sharing health and safety best practices, as I just said. And it's also about tackling the big issues facing our industry. As an association, we can come together and we can properly advocate for everybody that may not necessarily have the resources to do that otherwise. And we all know building a building is a lot of work. And so being able to operate as a group together and to voice the concerns of everybody and provide them with the resources that they need whether it be to assess with problems or to try to find them with solutions. In the innovation space, what is being a source to evaluate technology, share best practices, be able to communicate how to effectively take on innovative solutions, and also how we can identify and bring some of these solutions to the broader uh, industry at large. And especially when we talk about BIM, this is even more important because BIM is all about communication and collaboration. So for our members, especially the smaller ones, they need to understand the merits of using BIM and also how to adopt it in, in an efficient and cost-effective Okay, so you know what? I was going to ask you your thoughts about BIM, which you already talked. First of all, BIM, I think it's a small piece of a big puzzle that we are trying Absolutely. to do, right? It's making your built environment better, getting your 99% of, we cannot survive without buildings. You, I, mm -hmm. Right now we are sitting inside a building, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It'd be very um, cold and very wet if we didn't have buildings. Yes, yes. Okay, I think buildings are key to a civilization, right? Mm -hmm. So we are all trying, like you said, we are all trying our part to do something better towards our built environment. And uh, so is OGCA and like BIM is one part of it. Do you, and I'm getting right into the topic that we want to talk about is we have talked a lot about BIM adoption. Uh, there is a spectrum where there are companies who are now using artificial intelligence and mm -hmm. who are using automation to do some of their repetitive tasks. And then there are companies who think that BIM is just a software or it's just a passing fad. Like I talk to small to medium-sized architects, engineers, contractors every day, and yeah, a lot of them, they still think that it's a fad. Where do you find your place as an organization to educate them, to help them and get out of, you know, get something positive out of this whole BIM intimidation that they have? That's a fantastic question. First off, I would say that BIM means different things to different general contractors. So for most general contractors, their decision to adopt BIM is an owner-driven decision, right? And that results in mixed levels of awareness because it depends on what the owner would like at the end result. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about value for money for large procurement departments, mm -hmm. they're going to adopt BIM because of cost save, right? Mm -hmm. but a smaller public owner or even a private purchaser of construction may not necessarily want to have whether it be a, like whether it be something that, that's handed over, like a model that's handed over. Mm -hmm. So that's okay. You know, I think our position as an organization is the fragmented of nature of the construction industry. It means you don't have to invest in BIM right away if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. You can still be a forward-thinking organization and want to look into collaborative models and not have BIM to start out with. But at the same time, we are we understand that the natural evolution of where the construction industry is going is greater collaboration. We know that through through by using BIM, you can maximize your cost savings of the asset at the end of the day. We understand that more and more procurement departments want to have a milk, like an as-built model at the end of the day as part of handover. And so 
we want to provide education as a foundation. So our members can speak the language of BIM when they're talking to their consultants. And also that when they start making this decision to trans to adopt BIM processes, they do so in an educated manner. I've heard time and time again stories of our members, not and some of our members, some of them not, who say, oh, you know, I really want to do BIM, but I don't know how to, or I really want to do BIM, but this other construction company adopted it. We had a horrible time working with our consultants, and I don't really know where to start. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be there to provide them with that information and that guidance to, so that they can adopt processes, benefit from them right away, see the, see the value for money, and continue making these investments, both in personnel and also in equipment and Okay, so, and I don't want to generalize this, but do you feel that some there are some common factors that are impeding or they're kind of being looked at as a hurdle in BIM adoption, mm -hmm. especially, especially within the smaller and the medium-sized GC space. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. The cost curve is not in your favor when you're adopting BIM, right? The initial cost when you're purchasing BIM software or when you are adopting BIM processes, it's a hard thing to communicate to your staff. We hear it especially from estimators in the beginning where they don't, they're very comfortable with the estimating model that they use and they don't want to underprice a job and then they'll get burned at the end, right? That's a major concern that our members have. And we need to make sure that we provide information as to how we can uh, we can help this sort of this adoption and increase the uptake in a faster and more efficient manner. I think the other problem at the end of the day is the CCDC style lump sum contract. I think that's a major source of why BIM has not been readily adopted as quickly in uh, in the Ontario construction market. And honestly, I don't blame GCs in this whatsoever. The market determines which contract you're going to adopt. It's okay that you do lump sum contract, but those have inherent clash design and cooperation risks, right? So I think members need to start, my, my members in the general contracting community at large really need to understand what they're getting into. I think that if you don't understand, then you're going to be fraught with some problems along the way. And I also think that they need to understand the increased specialization within the buildings uh, industry as well. I think it's difficult for some general contractors to justify the expense of onboarding staff and learning how to properly communicate. This is a whole new world for the standard sort of construction company that we think of that grew up in the 80s and 90s. And so we believe that as a construction association, we can be the place where we can have those resources and we need to make, make sure that we find those resources and connect them with the right people so they can navigate this again in a cost-effective and easy way to understand. Okay, so I know you have a BIM task force and mm -hmm. one thing that one of the many tasks that you do is you connect the industry talent and the resource mm -hmm. with your members. Other than that, what else do you guys do as your like as a part of BIM task force? So I, I think that I kind of want to go back a step and maybe talk a little bit about what we were talking about previous to start this conversation. So there are a lot of significant hurdles in the Canadian BIM market that I think we need to talk, right? Let's and first talk about that. The general resistance to change, mm -hmm. right? There's mm -hmm. a set way the projects are estimated and constructed in this problem, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We need to do something about that. This is all part of, of ending the stigma associated with construction, but also we don't necessarily want to change what makes this province great, which is the diverse market that's there. We instead want to educate this market, right? That's something that the BIM task force does. First, the second one is the industry is slow to adapt, right? A lot of that is, again, part of the, this is part and parcel of the ownership relationship that we have. So we need to encourage better quality, um, quality-based selection processes within the province. This means edge 
educating procurement departments on how quality-based selection could work. And it's also about having a real tough conversation about the lowest cost bid, right? I think that's something that needs to happen if you want to adopt more advanced procurement techniques and also maximize the value of assets. Another thing is low low client demand. So something that we're working on in uh, at the OGCA is working with procurement departments to try to understand why they're not adopting. And I'm talking outside of the Ontario's, oh, sorry, onto the Toronto GTHA, right? Mm -hmm. That's an important place where more needs to be done and more conversations need to happen about procurement model, right? Because they are the ones that are going to feel it in the end when all of a sudden they need to rapidly change. That's where the real rubber hits the road about standards and things like that. It'll be encouraging those individuals. Toronto, like Halton, all, all these building departments, they're fairly aware as to what, what VIM is and its value. But there are smaller procurement departments that operate that operate with smaller GCs and everybody needs to learn so we don't we don't unfairly punish or restrict access to, to need small and medium size. Another one is doubts on ROI, ensuring that we can provide effective information about the value for money at each stage of BIM adoption, whether it's through all the levels. I know we don't like talking about BIM levels all the time, whether it's through the levels or whether it's through independent process adoption. So maybe take on it, take on BIM for clash detection for adopt your clash detection process before you go into S, right? You don't need to jump in with two feet all the time. We can develop processes that work for you, work for your business model to maintain the expertise there while also benefit from BIM at the end of the day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I want to say the final thing is reducing the initial investment costs, right? It's a real challenge for some for small to medium-sized business to hire staff or pay for software as a service right away. And all of a sudden they're adopting these costs and they won't see the benefit and for potentially whether it's the conclusion project, ideally, or even if it's like six, eight months down the road, they can't necessarily afford to do this all. So Understanding what's a realistic way of adoption in a cost-effective manner from a business perspective is also the goal of our main task force. Okay. I want to touch a little bit on the last point that you said, which is initial adoption. Mm -hmm. I think, okay, have you, there are every industry right now has on, um, I think I, and I don't want to compare where each industry is in terms of their uh, technology adoption, because every oh, construction is the lowest, so it's okay. Um, I would dispute that. Okay. And I would say why, because look at a construction site, whereas architects, engineers, um, all these environmental, all the consultants, they sit inside the office for the most part mm -hmm. and design mm -hmm. these beautiful buildings and they can use all the, all the technology available when technology technology has to come on site, there are two fundamental things that any technology needs in this day and age is internet and electricity. And most of our construction sites outside of GTA struggle with that. So actually, I can respond directly to that. One of the first things that was identified through our innovation committee, which has been around for two years, one of the first big wins that we had was talking to all the ISPs and basically telling them that exact story, telling them the cost of internet in in, uh, in Ontario mm -hmm. for general contractors in a construction type setting is prohibitive, right? Mm. We are sharing giant files all like some of the time, but there are other times where we're never using the same amount of, of data. And so we need a cost-effective manner that reflects our industry. And so we had meetings with Bell, Rogers, Telus, all the big, I mean, <laughs> so never mind, we won't go down that road. And so 
when, when we have when we have meetings with them, we can explain to them, like, look at the size of the construction vertical, right? There is so much money to be made here, mm -hmm. but it's only going to work if we work in such a way. And if you provide us with a product that works, it needs to be rugged, right? Mm -hmm. These need to actually, they need to have throttling systems depending upon the demands, right? It depends on the network. And it needs to actually work when you're building multi-store concrete buildings, whether it's through mesh networks or, or other things like that. But those need to be cost effective because if they're not, nobody's going to use them, right? And it was funny because in, in these meetings, like when you told them about how big the construction vertical is, their eyes get all wide, right? They're like, oh my goodness, oh, this is going to be so great. And then you told them the problems and they're like, oh, oh. And there were several times where people came back to us and they said, well, we have something you can do. And I passed it on to our innovation committee and they said, yeah, that's that's not going to work, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we had this collaborative process between mm -hmm. us and the ISPs to sort of develop a model that will actually work. And mm -hmm. we did. I won't tell you who we chose because we have not yet released this to our members, but we did choose something that I think will work effectively. Um, one of the perks of joining the OGCA is having access to this sort of preferred relationship. So if you're a GC out there, you know, it's an added perk. But um, I would say that working and communicating that sort of level of information demands and also looking and forecasting what the future demands are of the industry is a key thing as to what the OGCA does. And when we're talking about things like the internet and connectivity on site, it's something that I think the entire industry does. Right, right. And I don't know, this has been, uh, we, we're going a little off the trap uh, topic, Sorry. but uh, just remember early 2020 when the pandemic had just hit yeah. and we were all working from home, there mm -hmm. were so many internet outages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably. Remember that time? I mean, it was like literally uh, at one point of time, we thought a 50 Mbps was perfect for my mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. What we do, we do Netflix, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. once in a week, maybe my husband works from home or I work from home and that's great. But at one point of time, I have online school for the kids. Mm -hmm. I'm working from home. My husband's working from home. And then there is a parent or a grandparent who's in the house because they want to look because one, that we want them close. Uh, because Absolutely. We, and they're watching, they're streaming um, internet yeah. on their device. So it would just kill. Like I would be yeah, on a meeting and the internet just stopped. So, so I think from that time to now, ISPs have improved a lot. We are going off BIM, but there has Actually, been... Actually, you say this, but if we have problems in our own homes and our walls are made of drywall or like a thinner, like thin concrete product, imagine what it's like when you're separating between like six, eight inches of concrete between floors and nothing's going to go through. Right? right. And so this is when we need to sort of think outside the box and mm -hmm. look at things like mesh networks. Think about low frequency uh, LAN, right? Think about, sorry, like, think about like low frequency Wi-Fi. Think about all these things that are technologies that exist that may have been adopted in other countries to mm -hmm. use in the construction market, but they're just not here. Something mm -hmm. we hear time and time again in the Canadian construction market, which is very interesting, is by and large, our industry is less willing to adopt technology because there's simply less competition. And I'm sure all the general contract out there are thinking less competition that's crazy what i mean is everybody's consistently productive and is meeting their projects on time and on budget and making money so there's no real drive to make this next level investment in procurement unless you're at the very cutting edge or if you're trying to build your business or if you're trying to potentially grow mm -hmm. and so this means that we've kind of hovered around these market like this innovation adoption where we're adopting it in certain phases but not necessarily universally because the market's not demanding it and so what we're trying to do is make that value for money and value for money question all the time. 
be like, you can build buildings better. You can be more collaborative. You can work safer. You can build more efficiently, but you need to be willing to identify problems and solve them and be willing to take chances, right? And it's hard for a lot of GCs who already operate in a risky environment to take these chances. We're trying to reduce the risk associated with taking these chances by at least providing them with a list of solutions that already work or have already been adopted so they can attack those, they can invest in the low-hanging fruit, and they can take from it. But it's a challenge. It is. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, okay, I'll tell you what. I wanted to be an architect since I was, what? I was in grade eight, seven or eight. Ever since that time to now, what I have seen is one industry that has grown consistently. I have a lot of faith in how our industry in general, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. not just the contractors, architects, engineers, contractors, how we have evolved. Um, mm -hmm. Because I've been looking at how development's happening around me. I come from a country which is which is an underdeveloped country from now. Um, I, I come from India. Now yeah. it's not. But when I was growing, it was considered an underdeveloped country. I've seen how fast construction has changed its, its face. How fast when my when my father built his his house, how fast within 10 years there were automatic, um, not automatic. Once there was a time when concrete was being pre-mixed at site, and mm -hmm. within five or six years, I could see the pre-mixed trucks coming in. So our industry, I think it has progressed pretty fast. Uh, and, and I'm talking about a, another country, but I'm sure things are happening at a different pace and at a different level here in Canada. Coming back to the technology. One thing that I've always advocated for, and that is what uh, you also said in your, your points that what are the challenges? So mm -hmm. initial cost of adoption, that is something that I as a BIM consultant have always faced. It's a challenge for us, like technology is our bread and butter, and we mm -hmm. face this challenge of paying for technology. Um, so I can understand how it how difficult it would be for a small scale contractor who's doing, um, who's doing a mid-rise strip malls yeah. right their margin of profit is not huge i can pretty much you know vouch for that yeah yeah but and you also need to think if the own if they're in that condition and the owner is not even requesting it right so this is not even a requirement mm -hmm. then why would you invest in bim right i i think that that's a pivotal question that needs to go along with adoption generally is right. it's driven by the owner Right? And so we as an industry need to communicate to owners and purchasers of construction as to why they about like why they need to be investing in BIM. Mm -hmm. And when I say investing in BIM, it's investing in projects and making BIM a requirement, right? Because that will then drive demand in the market. That will then trickle down to general contractors. That will then trickle down into the trades and through and through consultants and because the entire process, right? You need everybody to communicate. Mm -hmm. I think mean, that's a really thing and we don't necessarily believe that standardization is necessary currently mm -hmm. but that's what brings the conversation of standardization right the conversation needs to start at the ownership level it needs to start at the provincial level it needs to start with the decision makers that are actually buying the construction at the beginning of the day because for our members it's a bit it's a oftentimes it's a purely business decision and
And if the owner is not requesting BIM, mm -hmm. it's very difficult for them to just decide that this is something they're going to write. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Our recommendation is commonly take on a project that is BIM, right? So find a project that meets your, that's attainable for you to build conventionally, work with a consultant that you trust and understand how to build a building using BIM, using this consultant. Mm -hmm. And what they will do is they will educate you on all the things that you may need to know for then if you're going to bring it in-house, sure, bring it in-house, that's fine. But you need that one critical project that you understand how to build it conventionally, but take it into the BIM environment. And that will teach you more about how you can adopt processes to your existing, uh, the way, existing way that you build better than any report that I can write or any other conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you said that because even like being a BIM consultant in the market, we have a big blow off rate. We do get this question asked a lot that like, like you said, we're doing what we're doing and we're making money out of it. Why should I give you money out of my profits to do something that I'm already doing pretty fine? And I, mean, I can answer this question. It's because I'm a small to medium sized business that doesn't want to hire seven full-time staff exclusively to work on a model, right? That's, right. that's the answer. Like we seem, I think another thing that we need to talk about is this belief that in order to be, to, in order to like operate in BIM, you need to hire a team of BIM, like uh, of people that operate in BIM at your own company, right? Not everybody needs that, right? People can build the same way that they build using BIM viewers at a low cost, understand the language, have good working relationships with their consultants like they do right now. It's just that they communicate in the language of BIM, right? Mm -hmm. It's just the platform that we have the conversation, right? So instead of us sitting in a boardroom and looking at blueprints and marking them up with pencils, right? We can be sitting in our offices or still sitting in a boardroom, but looking at a model, right? And still having that collaboration, but also identifying these issues well in advance or working with owners to communicate to them properly. And so they can understand and we can reduce changes and we can make the entire process go so much smoother. Right. It's interesting before coming on this podcast, I had a really interesting meeting with one of my members and he was talking about a project that he was doing, which was lump sum, but they were still using BIM. And I was like, why? What's the reason? He's like, well, the owner wanted so many changes. And I realized at the beginning when everything started changing that uh, we just decided to keep with the model because they start. So they got blueprints, they built the model in-house, and then they were just executing them, executing that model, but things kept changing. And so it was basically like, an, it was a lump sum contract that was using BIM in order to execute the changes. And he looked at me and he's like, project would have been so much easier if we just put it in would have been collaborative from the start. I said, I, I know, man. And he's like, I tried to convince them, but I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting how sometimes I feel the industry is ready and willing to make this change. Mm -hmm. It's at the end of the day, the market is not necessarily ready to follow through, right? I think mm -hmm. that's really where we're going to need to have a serious conversation mm -hmm. about communicating with owners and communicating with purchasers of construction mm -hmm. that they need to understand the value associated with using this, mm -hmm. right? Right. And when you look when you look at other jurisdictions, when you look at the UK, the UK understood the value for money argument, and that's why they standard, right? It's because they realized at the end of the day, if we save money upwards of fifteen percent on changes, mm -hmm. who's going to benefit? A general contractor loves doing changes because they just charge at the end of the day. The bill just keeps going up for the building, right? Which I mean is another reason why there's a slow adoption because you can make so much money off of changes. Right. But it's the owners that need to drive this from a cost savings. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. Okay, that's another day's conversation. But what owners want to listen is just that I bought this land for so many, you know, so and so dollars. I'm pay- this is my, and I just want to get something built. Mm-hmm. And for example, high rise residential, yeah. I just want the units to be sold as soon as possible. I just want the offices to be leased or sold out as soon as possible. That's mm-hmm. that's all they want to hear. So I mm-hmm. think for owners' perspective, that is something that we as an industry need to work on. And here I'm not talking about, there are some really good owners out there. Last uh, month I was in um, Vancouver and I know that Fraser Health Partners, they are employing a BIM consultant full time Mm -hmm. to, for the BIM compliance and in general, the model compliances. And and one of the project directors is one of my friends and he said, I have never seen a project going this smoothly as it goes in in this organization. I'm like, you got to come on my podcast and that's <laughs> so yeah i think uh, it is it is taking time okay we're just going a little bit we're going um, in the next phase of this podcast and i don't know if you know about this but we have two more sections in this podcast one is called impossible questionnaire did you know about it uh yes and i'm worried okay <laughs> uh, so there is impossible questionnaire which is i'm going to ask some really tough questions i'm going to be a little lenient of you though oh god okay i would like to i would like to formally say that i am not a bim professional okay i work for a construction association okay technical questions are uh, a challenge for me nobody's judging you here eric and i'll make a declaration that even though i'm asking these questions and I've asked some of them a few times. Okay. If those answers were not right in front of me on the screen, I wouldn't know these answers. Okay. Does okay. that make you feel better? No, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Okay. So the next section is the impossible questionnaire. We will continue talking about our all other things that amazing things that OGCA does, but let's first get into our first impossible questionnaire. And my first question is, what soil type has the most ideal permeability that is suitable for a construction of a sewage system? Okay. Okay. So it's a silty sand, well-graded gravel, inorganic silt, or organic clay. I do believe, I want to say it's organic clay. You want to say or you're saying? I am... I'm saying. Okay, but it's a wrong answer. It's a silt- Oh no, is it silty sand? Oh no, it was silty sand. Oh, <laughs> Did you it? have that the first one on top of your mind? Yes, it was. Okay, so I actually recently built uh, a septic tank in my backyard with my dad. Mm-hmm. And I remember just shoveling for hours and hours of clay nonstop. And he told me halfway through, he's like, man, if this was silt sand, it would have been so much easier. And Oh, I was so close. Okay, next question. Okay, okay. You're, you're going to expose me. This is not good. <laughs> I am just looking at a little more easy questions. Okay, you you know, this is shout out to Sandeep. He is behind all these difficult questions. So, you know, he, is, he does an amazing job looking at all these questions that I don't even have answers to. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so our next question is, in a concealed construction, a material or a member that fills or seals the open anything that's open what is it called is it a draft stop is it a fire stop is it a tailpiece is it a back pan or is it an insulation no, it's insulation it's insulation no it's a draft oh, stop. oh my god okay i could have one more question one oh, more no. chance to 
No. Oh, okay, fine. We'll go. Continue on with the pain. Oh, okay. 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 This might be a little easy. What is the process of removing concrete forms from a cured concrete? Clearing, deforming, stripping, or cleaning? Deforming. Are you sure? Oh, no. <laughs> Can you repeat the options again? Okay. So I'll repeat the question. The process of re removing concrete yes. forms. Stripping. Stripping. See? There you go. I knew this. I knew this. You knew this, right? See? I want to make it easy for you. Well, you're the second person that I have given this second chance to in this podcast in all three seasons. Oh, my goodness. Oh, there's, my goodness. There's only one more person um, uh, that I gave so many chances to. And hence. Well, you are too kind, Chenna. I really appreciate it. <laughs> okay. So what do you think about these questions, by the way? I think if my boss wasn't listening to this right now, huh? uh, shout out Giovanni, I want to I want to let him know that I got one right, uh, <laughs> and that he needs to maybe send me back to school. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you can say I got one right. I did right, sure. motion. Yeah, we we can spin this. We we will be fine. They're like, look, boss, I got one right. <laughs> Right, right. Okay, so the next part of our podcast, which is the final section, which is the rosebud and thorn. You are an organization that works in the interest of general contractors, mm -hmm. right? And I want to, I want to, you can spin it anyway. I want to hear about a rose, a bud and a thorn and rose being the benefit of today, bud yeah. being a benefit that is going to come back in future or a possibility of future. And a thorn could be a challenge or a side effect. So a rose, bud and thorn of being an OGCA member. <laughs> it's all roses all the time. Uh-huh. No, uh, I'm pretty sure there are buds. Okay. I, I would say that the rose um, is currently the proven track record of the OGCA means that members see results right away, right? So we try to achieve our strategic goal. We try to lay out our strategic goals very similar to the rose and the bud. Where we need to have some roses so some things we can take advantage of right away mm -hmm. so one of the big things that has currently happened is uh we're working with the cdao the construction Build and design alliance of ontario to publish a quality of documents survey which clearly outlines that any investments you make in design immediately have immediate impact for every dollar of investing in design you can save up to ten thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars in construction ten thousand dollars um in, in between and so uh, why that's a rose i would say it's sort of immediate benefit that we're seeing right now that, that we're bringing the bud. I'd say that the future of, of the OGCA in terms of what we will be delivering in the next five years, we are setting out to make some really big strides forward in terms of the value that we provide to our members. Mm -hmm. um, we're very excited coming out of our strategic planning session that we just had, um, outlining some priorities that we have in the predictive health and safety space, as well as in some other areas that will make the OGCA, we believe, a leader uh, in the construction sector when it comes to sort of industry advocacy mm -hmm. and the thorn uh, for being in the construction and for the OGCA. I would say one of our biggest challenges is member engagement all the time, right? So making sure that we go above and beyond to make sure our members are listened to mm -hmm. and that those um, that may that may be new to the association are engaged from the start and we are always advocating for them in their best interest. Actually, I'd like to add an additional thorn here, which is the skills deficit. So right now, one of the big challenges we face is the skills deficit amongst site supervisors and project managers. And mm -hmm. so we're working towards 
steps to, to ensure that we address these, these problems facing the industry and really solve the problems in the long run to make sure that we're not labor limited um, and we can meet the, the future demands that the industry will have. Okay. I think, by the way, this is a pretty, pretty amazing roses, buds and thorns and something to actually think about. Oh, did you want me to be funny? I can be funny. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can do another round where I'll say uh, the rose is the, the good coffee that we have in our okay. boardroom. It's very oh. good. We have a great espresso machine. The, the bud is that we are developing a new um, a, a new virtual meeting system, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to change how we sort of deliver meetings mm -hmm. uh, in the office. Um, and then the thorn uh, is that we don't really have good transit access to our office. And oh. so that can be a bit of a challenge. But as construction types, we drive everywhere anyways. There's lots of parking, so you can park your pickup truck and you can come in. Okay, okay, perfect. So you talked about skills deficit. And before I, you know, end this podcast, mm -hmm. I think one one thing that I feel is really lacking in general in our industry is first, valuing a continuous training, mm -hmm. right? And second, resources that can provide continuous training. And I always Say that that your education does not end with school it actually starts after school so school just gives you like a like a basis like a foundation to stand on but skills in every sector of in our industry whether i was hearing the other day there was a there was a general contractor who was offering a skilled carpenter almost um, i think 500 dollars a day if mm -hmm. they could get a good and they said we cannot find a skilled carpenter right mm -hmm. and what would we do without carpenters in this country? I would say I can give an even more extreme example. So commercial wall, people that are, apply commercial wallpaper, so like the commercial finishing trade. Right. Um, right now, some of our members are scheduling their project around when these uh, when these trades are available. So huh. now we are no longer sort of uh, demand limited in this, in this industry, right? We are labor limited. So it's not the amount of projects that are available. It's whether you have the workforce capacity to be able to actually build these projects at that current time, which is a complete paradigm shift in the sector. Right, right. I think, yeah, so there is a dearth for uh, people who can train and also a dearth of understanding that you need to keep on training your people every now and then with new technology, everything new that's coming on, because I think there mm -hmm. is a lot available in the market that we're not able to utilize properly. It's mm -hmm. not just BIM and it's not all those fancy 3D mm -hmm. modeling, but it's a lot of technology that we can mm -hmm. use in our industry. We just need somebody to have faith and somebody to provide that training. Absolutely. I can't agree with you more. I'm partly our innovation committee is focused on identifying problems this industry is facing mm -hmm. and solutions that we can provide to them through innovation and through technology. Okay. Um, uh, we work all the time with people that are sort of in this process of sort of upgrading, whether it be their skills. And there's a bunch of resources that you can do that, uh, do that through, whether it be uh, through continuing education resources, um, whether it be through these sort of traditional apprenticeship model, but also construction is an in, is so in demand right now. Employers are more than willing to invest in their workforce if they find good quality individuals that are correctly, that, that have the right motivation and are willing to put the work in. Construction is where you want to be. I know for me personally, uh, the construction industry has done a great job in inspiring me to continue on with my education mm -hmm. um, and to do things like uh, project management um, and to understand more of the industry so I can perform better uh, impossible questions. And so now I think it's, it's really about communicating 
to the industry or sorry to the population that you can find these resources and employers that really care about you in the construction industry and so now we're looking at sort of retraining for individuals that have been impacted by for instance COVID-19 it's a great example of how if you have the right soft skills the training is here in the industry and it's ready and willing to provide you with a career that will that will take you to places that you never could have. right thank you so much it has been like I know this conversation can go on for a couple of more hours <laughs> it's a Friday evening we all should be getting back to no just kidding <laughs> no getting back to our families getting back to whatever we love other than work <laughs> very true yeah so thank you so much Eric I'm really thankful for, for your time and mm-hmm. this conversation and hope to see you in person soon absolutely this was an enjoyable conversation it's always great to talk about construction even when it's five o'clock on a Friday um, I'm always down to talk about the industry oh, okay sure. thank you thank you bye-bye